time. We got to redraw some of that stuff on the wall. I mean, they're not seeing it, right? A little bit from this camera. Yeah. They can see a little bit of the pod pad up there. And Ryan's world. Stuff, but yeah. Hmm. Some of those dope. chicken pot pies in there, too. Wait, what? What are those? Chicken pot pies or cupcakes? Where? Right there above. Above Hello Kitty? No, or? to the right. Left. Right underneath the Jada logo next to the the yo-yo in the <laughs> I, hand. I, I think yeah. it is. I think that they are chicken pot pies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could leave that up there. <laughs> That's one of June's drawings that I actually like. Because it's not like overly disgusting. <laughs> For yeah. everyone who's listening, um, inside of the uh, pod pad, we actually have a wall, but like, but like it's kind of like a chalkboard, and so and so, but you're able to draw everything on there with chalk. And somebody drew drew these chicken pot pies <laughs> <laughs> on the wall, and it's just so random. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what are these things? Is yeah. this the icebreaker? I thought we were just talking about the chalk wall. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have another ice icebreaker. Oh. I was thinking about pretty pretty in depth you know um if you guys guys had to survive if you guys okay if you guys were thrown into a cage for one hour and you had to choose one to survive against would you rather get thrown into a cage with a gorilla or with a lion and and keep in mind just because you're in there with them it doesn't mean that they're hungry or that they're super aggressive, but you just have have to hope that you act cool enough that that they stay acting cool too. Is the gorilla female or male? I don't know <laughs> uh, why. Well, I mean, I would. I think gorillas the the females have more of a motherly instinct. Yeah, so they may be less prone to be aggressive hmm. if it's just you two in there. As opposed to a like the, a silverback of the male who's uh, territorial and you know if you're isn't there it, this thing with gorillas though if like you, you stand your ground no <laughs> no. <laughs> no 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 <laughs> well there's a video of Act this big dude, dude. <laughs> no but for real there's a video of this one guy um, it was in like South Africa or wherever they're from this guy um, he used to work at them and there was like one who was like trying trying to charge at him and like he had said you have to just stand your ground and not budge mm -hmm. and then the guy who is who is trying to play alpha he'll back down and there's a video of the gorilla charging at him oh. and he doesn't budge a muscle and he's okay yeah i'm gonna try to find it right now it's yeah, the but, coolest but thing ever. that might be because he's dealing with these yeah that's true know, he might that that gorilla might recognize him you know if it's if, Isn't there like a thing it. where you can show them that you're not trying to be alpha anyway? Like I think it where... depends on what kind of gorilla it is, or I'm not sure what kind of animal. But I, I I know there's one where you're not supposed to stare them in the eye. Okay, I found it. I found it. They oh they feel threatened when you stare them in the eye. So like there's these zoos that uh that's pretty gnarly. That was on Kong, dude. Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like that's that's pretty gangster. Yeah, I I'll take my I chances. Think, yeah, I wouldn't take a chance doing that. Though. I'll take my chances with a gorilla. Yeah, yeah, because lions are cats, and cats you can't trust. <laughs> cats are some little murderous devils. Yeah, I mean, I had a cat. He was he was a beast in in our neighborhood. He would 
you know, chase cats around. He would be like a, just a bully yeah. against, with, uh, with all the cats in, in the neighborhood. I saw him chase another cat up the uh, 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 telephone pole and the cat was trying to get, was so like engrossed of trying to get away from my cat that it actually jumped off the telephone pole. And as he was falling, my cat swiped and hit him to the side. I'm like, dang, you hardcore. He's, he's pretty gangster. That's pretty funny. Yeah. But then he was cool at home. And uh-huh. then, but then every once in a while, you'd just be petting him and then just, just go crazy on you. I don't so, like cats. Yeah. They're well, pretty damn. unpredictable. Well, well, but you know what? I mean, for me, I don't know. If I'm in a cage with, with either or, I'm assuming that I probably won't fake it out. And if I had to get killed by one, I don't know. I think I'd rather get killed maybe by a lion. And here's why. Here's why. Because um, he goes for the juggler. Dude. It goes for for <laughs> for the juggler and cats. Well, they don't eat you immediately. Oh, so then you'll be bleeding out. Well, yeah, but, but I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, its teeth are like its teeth are like <laughs> watching this cat like <laughs> kill, kill me, please help. Yeah, but I think I'd rather get killed by a lion, or maybe if it swats at me, I can see it coming, and then and then just try to move my head so that I get all of its paw in me, and then like you know, yeah. a lion's like eight hundred pounds, man. That thing will knock your block off. Well, gorillas are pretty crazy too. Yeah, they. Yeah, I think, dude. Uh, um, I think a single punch from one is rated at like five thousand psi's. Yeah, I'll still take my chance with a gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I, can I be? I feel like I, they're less likely to do something aggressive towards you. If I was in a cage with a lion, can I be armed with a cucumber? <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one that? Yeah, I don't, you don't get it. <laughs> Look up cucumbers. I think I'm heads. the only one that got that <laughs> reference. <laughs> I thought you watch cat videos. I I do, but I've never heard of this cu- cucumbers and cats. <clears throat> yeah, what the, what the hell? <laughs> so, so apparently, I, I started laughing, and then I was I quickly realized I was the only one laughing, and I was like, wait, because <laughs> apparently cats are scared of cucumbers. I gotta try this. You have a cat at home? I have a cat. You try it. I'm gonna. Try, I'm about to go buy a cucumber right after work. <laughs> Cucumbers and cats. Yeah. These damn ads on YouTube. That or like a roll of tape so I can put a box on the ground. <laughs> Here they are now. That's Dude. so cool. It's <laughs> they have, cats. Dude, yeah. It's <laughs> so weird. It is. And I don't know where it comes from. I mean, it's like some kind of. It must be like an like evolutionary, embedded, yeah, evolutionary instinct. You think that'll have any effect on a lion, though? Dude, they're big cats. I mean, have you seen those videos of giant, like huge lions, and they just put a a cardboard box, and they do exactly the same as house cats do. They just try to climb in it. The exact same, same well temperament. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of cat. It could be a you know like a like a puma or a jaguar. All of those. They all yeah. They all do the same thing. Mm. It's crazy. I still go with the gorilla. Yeah, me too. What's up, everybody? <laughs> you are tuned in to the 10th episode of the JadaCast podcast. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. I'm good, too. It's uh, October. October, yeah. And uh, we are this getting pretty close. SEMA month. This, SEMA month. Yeah, dude, this year is flying. It's crazy. Flying. This is not enough time to do anything. No. <laughs> It's one of those times where there's too much to do. I just want to sit here for the day contemplating everything that I have to it's do. It's like there's too much to do, but not enough movement in some of these things that we need to do. Yeah. 
it's like a lot of it is just hurry up and wait. Yeah. Hurry up and wait. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> isn't that a Buddhist concept that we all have to live by? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But yeah, this, I mean, it just seems like it's just amplified this month for some reason. And it just started. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that we got planned for plans, whether it's in Jada or outside of Jada, that it's just, you know, things aren't progressing the way we wanted to. So, we, you know, we can plan th- certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, you know, hey, that comes with the territory, I guess. And we, we uh, I guess, just have to do with what we got and figure it all out. And it always works out in the end. Hmm. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's actually a question I have that, that I would like to uh, start out with is, um, so what are some of the things that we're hoping to accomplish at this year's SEMA? Besides, well, get through it, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, some... Oh, well, I don't know necessarily, like, as far if if I personally have, like, you know, one, two, three, like, goals. Um, I think just executing something, you know, that we've talked about internally as far as, like, from a PR perspective of what we can pull off, mm-hmm. you know, with how our, how our booth looks, the representation of product. Um, that's what I'm most looking forward to. That would be, I would say that would be my goal to to try and, uh, you know, do everything I can to pull off because the way that we're talking right now as far as like what our display or our booth is going to look like, it's not anything that we've done really. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that's probably one of the more rewarding parts of SEMA is designing the booth. You know, we, we do it digitally. We start looking at how we want to, uh, you know, display all our product and display the cars that we're bringing in and to see it go from a digital mock-up to reality is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And it's really rewarding because, you know, once it's all done, you're like, all right, finally, we're done. Yeah. It's here. Now let's uh, make it work for us. Yeah. You know, um, that's one of the coolest parts. One of my goals, though, for this SEMA is to get more relationships going with a lot of the companies out there. Um, we've already started making a lot of relationships, a lot of uh, appointments to meet with some of these newer uh, aftermarket companies and builders and you know things like that. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to meeting all these people. Yeah, mm. it's usually the best. But well, there are, there are a lot of good aspects of of SEMA. I think just in general because we're all car enthusiasts and you're around that atmosphere. It's it's cool to begin with. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's just the vibe that it gets off. You're there for work, um, but you're in a different city. You're with, you know, your your team members, you know. Um, you guys are, I mean, it's, it's out of the office setting, so you guys feel a little bit more, I guess, I don't know if vulnerable is the right word, hmm. but there's more of like this, this team cohesiveness. A camaraderie. Yeah. Why is that? Oh, I think because for one, like I said, you're you're out of the typical environment that you're in every day and you're around people that you're not necessarily like comfortable with or you, you don't necessarily know. Have and you because ever been on a vacation with like a bunch of friends? I have. To in a foreign land or or someplace that you guys have never been? Yes. It's like you guys kinda you kinda wanna stick together just yeah. because you have it's you know, not only is it the camaraderie, but it's just the kind of like that survival instinct. You know, um, and it just gets everyone closer, which is why I like these kind of events is, you know, because it's kind of like a 
uh, uh, work bonding uh, moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The whole work bonding is probably how I would put it. So whether that's like, yeah, you go through the whole work day, you guys are working together, but my best or my favorite part parts of the, of that day is like dinner. Huh? No. <laughs> what? Buffet <laughs> <laughs> line. It's like when when it's all said and done and you know we all get to go out and eat and we all get to go out and drink or do something just mm-hmm. to like get out of break out of that like work uh mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we come to work every day. It's 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 like a routine, but when we get to go out to these shows, we get to break that routine a little bit and still be at work. And it's a kind of a refreshing kind of new uh, experience, especially for the people who are, haven't done it yet. So you, this will be your first time yeah. going out. So it's uh, it's it's cool. It's I'm fun. excited. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just leave your Tupperware at home though, dude. <laughs> There's a, we'd be eating okay, well, buffets okay, all day every day the world would be a microwave from, from at least at our airbnb yeah, at the at the yeah yeah the party pad is going to be a party microwave pad. i'm sure yeah we're not staying at circus circus <laughs> thank god <laughs> it's 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 yeah. cool too like i mean it's a given i think just being around like us here in this room because we we are pretty much more or less like one way in terms of like we're down for anything mm-hmm. so it's it's cool in the fact that you don't necessarily have to worry like if you say hey you want to go eat here oh i'm down and then there's like that one person that's like jordan <laughs> <laughs> i gotta walk my dog <laughs> i do have to walk my <laughs> damn mike is going hard on jordan today <laughs> I don't want to sound like a jerk or sound like you know, everything's about me, but 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 she's little and she has a tiny bladder and I want to get home yeah. <laughs> and just let her out. <laughs> Sorry, I love my dog. No, I'm just kidding, dude. Yeah. And I then after, then after like dinner, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you guys want to get hit up this place or do this and so and so. And for the most part, like, I mean, we're all pretty down we're all pretty chill we go with the flow and, mm-hmm. and it's just all a good time and i think that's what adds to that bond that you you form that camaraderie that we we're talking about with with everybody here and then when you come back to the office i mean like it's cool it's just cool to have experience together and, and i mean it's a it's a good time it's a, also different because you know whenever we do meetings with uh with partners it's usually during the day maybe maybe we do a lunch meeting uh, but at SEMA, it's like you either do it in their booth or after the show, we, we go out to a dinner and then it's like drinks and it's more of a relaxed environment and you can get to really get to know your the person you're meeting with. Mm-hmm. It's it's a totally different vibe. It's mm-hmm. a lot more casual. Casual, yeah. It's it's cool. It's 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 a it's a good break from the day to days that we have uh, yeah. here at the offices. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So and like. We're going to be there during for the whole week, pretty much. Are we recording out there for the next for that year for that month or that week? We should. We should. I think that uh, it would be cool if we did a podcast in our booth. Yeah. We uh, hooked up, invited some other booths, um, some other aftermarket companies to well to come and chill with us. Well, maybe interview them. Interview yeah. some industry. We'll interview some um, some interesting people within the industry. That's that's definitely. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that, you know, if we do it like that, it'd be pretty long podcast. So what would are we, I would think that maybe we'll do some like lives, some social media stuff. Mm-hmm. We yeah, could like do that. Streams. Stream. I don't know. I, I'm just. We could do that and we can probably. 
yeah, split or split it into multiple podcasts. Multiple podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Or we can aim. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll figure it out. Or like, yeah, we split into multiple podcasts and just put like a little segment of the interviews within our podcast every week after that. Hmm. Yeah, so it's not cool. like it's not just a full on SEMA thing, but it's just like a little break from our pod pad. And then talk about a uh, production value too, because because our booth, it's gonna be pretty cool this year. Yeah, I, I think as, so. As far as the mockups go. Yeah, yeah. Be some cool things to look at. That's for sure. Yeah. Are we allowed to say anything about it or not yet? I would say no. no. I mean, we. Yeah. It's, well, it's, I mean, it's it's final, but it's not final. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've it's got approved, but not really approved. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, we're just finalizing some logistical things on our end. Uh, I'm waiting for some. While I have the verbal written confirmation, I'm just waiting for the actual paper paperwork stuff to get signed and all that stuff so hmm. yeah and plus we also have to get like artwork and stuff approved so um you know things may still change between now and then mm-hmm. so yeah it's there's i'm not we're not at a point where i'm comfortable saying yeah this is what it's going to be yeah right. yeah well well but you know along those those same lines you know people might have a lot of well, misconceptions of what it's like to work for for a toy company or work within the industry that we're in, you know, I would expect them them to think like, you know, it's all fun and games, which a lot of it is. But there are a lot of, well, moving parts, a lot of what well, complex pieces to put together. And so what would you guys say are some of the common, well, misconceptions about what it's like to work within a toy company? As it as it deals with starting going to a with show just, like SEMA or just in general? Yeah, we could do SEMA, but just overall in general, you know, because it's it's very it's very well complicated, but we have to put it together regardless. And so but, you know, from an outside well looking in, I wouldn't have expected this much well complexity, you know, especially mm-hmm. with me still still being new. I'm learning new stuff every single day. And and, you know, I have to deal with things that. Or or see see you 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 deal with things that I didn't think that that you would have to you know mm-hmm. and so what are some of the misconceptions that people might not think about that will go into us doing what we got to do? You it's kind of a loaded yeah, question. Yeah, no, it's not like that. Well, it's I mean, so I, much I have an I, yeah, like I have an idea of how to break it down. And I can throw that out if you want to yeah. add on to it. You've yeah, been, yeah. I mean, Mike's been in the toy industry longer than I have. Um, but for me, I, I think the general, first and foremost, I think to average or, or, or like your typical normal people, um, when you come across somebody that says, hey, I work in the toy industry, that in and of itself, like right off the bat, I think is pretty unique. Mm-hmm. It usually takes people by surprise and they're like, toys, you make toys, you know? And then it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's so easy to just kind of like, glance over or gloss over like if you go into a store and you you take a look at the shelf and you look at all the toy offerings and and whatnot people aren't necessarily thinking of of you know what we what we see yeah, yeah it's funny because so, whenever we tell someone that we work at a toy company the first thing that they think is oh you play with toys all day and you know <laughs> yeah we do play with toys quite a bit but no there's a lot more that goes along with it yeah yeah you know, i mean <clears throat> we're not just playing with them we're we're breaking them down where we're studying why, you know, certain toy companies do this, do that, or why, how this mechanism works. Those are the kind of things that we're doing. It's not necessarily just play. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to give like a little context on the back end, I mean, we're working literally like one year out, right? Yeah, typically, typically, we're we're working like one year in advance. Um, so I mean, we're in Q4 2018, but we pretty much just finalized a lot of things for Q4 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, and so talk uh, about uh, procrastination. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, right? Um, and so pretty soon we'll be talking about you know 2020. Um, so like this, this is just by nature of how, how things move. We're trying to kind of forecast in advance, like what we see, what we notice as far as trends go, we're getting insights from our partners, from our buyers as to maybe what they see on their end, um, you know, for us to kind of get a head start on, but that's just like, that's more strategy based. And I think when you dive a little bit deeper into the manufacturing side of it, you know, like the raw material that you need and like the cost of raw material, you pay attention to what's going on in the world every day right now with, you know, like the tariffs and and all that stuff. Like so much of it plays such a big part in the overall grand scheme of things that not a lot of people actually take into account. And again, that's, that's covering just the production manufacturing side. That's and now kind of bringing it back to when you go into the store and you're you're kind of doing store checks and you're looking at price points, you're looking at what other competition has, what they're rolling out, um, what are some of the new features, what's trending in the marketplace. Like it's just so many things to take into consideration. Um, so at least that's yeah what I yeah. Think. Another thing is like um, we've been doing this. You know, a lot, many of us have been here for quite a while. When you're in the toy industry, it, it you have to kind of take yourself away from what your personal likes are. Right. So something that you're into may not translate to a toy. Well, it could translate to a toy, but doesn't necessarily translate to sales. Just because you like it and you think your group of friends are into something that, that that's the 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 that everyone will like it as well is not usually the case. Um, we're we always get like new trends that we see that uh, that's that looks really cool that we're into we develop towards it and it doesn't work it's because sometimes trends take a long time to go from real car to toy for example wide bodies wide body cars we were doing some wide body cars way back but i think we you know they didn't sell as well as they do now yeah now you know we did it we worked with uh, john sabal we do the ben sopra there was other things that we've done in, in the past that were wide body but it didn't work as well People didn't appreciate it as much, even though they were a trend back then. Back then, so now it's finally trickled down to the toy industry where kids like that style. Right. So we have to uh, keep an eye on the, the the trends, and also keep an eye on the market and figure out what is the best uh, products to produce, because not all the time, you know, like it's 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 not just what we think is cool. It's it's actually we have to study the market and see what actually sells. And so there's not too much room for for emotional attachment, huh? Not a lot at all. I mean, yeah. like I I always use my truck because I you know I'm into trucks. We still haven't made my truck. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I want my damn truck. Yeah, yeah I want my, I'd love that, but you know I got to take myself away from because we I know that my truck is you know it's a popular truck, but in toy it, it doesn't sell as much as as like a Raptor would. It's we. It's I don't know why. You know, it's just I don't know if it's just the the kind of uh, person who owns that kind of truck is just not buying those things, or it's not considered a a true American truck. Mm. Um, I'm talking about a Toyota Tundra, by the way. Um, if you don't know, 
It's yeah, PRD so, Pro, <laughs> which yeah. is gonna look pretty sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? That was like a half like yeah, yeah. yeah. It, that's one of those things where you know. Oh, do I got to stick one? No, 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 okay. no. I, it's it's out there. You know, okay, it's yeah. you can you can find it and um. I get, at, Pro, at Project TRD Pro on Instagram, <laughs> it's it's gonna be badass, guys. Yeah, we're um, you know, it's one of those are one of the things that I've been working on, and and things aren't happening fast enough. That's like we alluded to in the in the beginning of the pod, um, but yeah, no, I, it's just uh, for some reason, even though the tier the the Toyota Tundra is built in the United States, it's a it's considered American made truck made in the United States. It's not considered an American truck like a Chevy or a, a Ram. Um, for some reason, and it uh, it just doesn't resonate through toy sales as much as uh, as a, a Ford or a Chevy. Mm. Here's the other thing to it too. I, I think you're also talking about two different markets where we play a lot um, in the mass market, right? Obviously, and when I mean mass market, it's like everyone's biggest account is like Walmart and Target. Um, but we also play in the hobby market. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with you know a bunch of distributors and and here and here and there, so what we've seen is like the buying pattern with these two is very different because I think so, I think when you're talking about the mass market, you're gearing more towards like mom, dad, um, you know that and, grandma and, and even you, yeah. so like a little bit more impulse, and, and they're trying to find. When, and when I say they, I, I'm talking about these retailers, this this market, they're trying to capture like this collector market because they want to start having collectors go. They want to be the, 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 the default location for these collectors. Whereas in the hobby market, like if you're local to Southern California, um, we have Frankensons right down the street from us. And that's like the ultimate like, what, like collector flea market almost the mecca right like and, and that's where collectors go but they they're going after like these particular things that either are either exclusives or like a, a little bit higher price point in terms of their collectibles because maybe it's got a little bit more features they're literally buying these things to to display them and so many things that you would probably could never see at a target or a walmart right yeah so where i was where I'm going with that is like, for example, and, and to Mike's point, like to the separation of emotional attachment. Personally, I'm a big fan of Dragon Ball Z. I would love to see us do something in a Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. execution within like either if that's a figural side or if we can try and do some execution on the vehicle side. I think there's there's opportunity there. Um, but for Dragon Ball Z to be such a like if you can try and picture Dragon Ball Z being in a mass market at a Walmart Target like I don't really know necessarily how strong that is in the mass market as opposed to the hobby market because it's very it's a very niche thing hmm. you know what I mean like so while I internally might think that Dragon Ball Z would be a great idea it might not necessarily make sense based on the strategy the corporate strategy that we have to go to mass I, I'm not entirely sure what that answer is but I would love to see us try but I think that's an example of um you know that sep- trying to separate that emotional attachment, where of course there's that want, but at the end of the day, does it really make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, going deeper into the license of say a Dragon Ball Z or or uh, one of these other like maybe anime properties that can cross over from the Japanese anime uh, scene to the mass market scene, um, 
<clears throat> we have to study it and make sure that it has enough pull to make enough money in the mass market or else, you know, it's kind of a, a, a not a joke, but it's just kind of like it's, it's deflating when you get something in and it doesn't do well. And in three months, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure. And, you know, we, it's, it's almost like a gamble. You know, if there's nothing proven that these items will do well in mass market, it's possible that it'll be gone in, in three months. So we have to do our 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 the best guess with the right products and the right properties to bring to mass market if it's not there already. Right. So when you have to make an educated chest like that, how exactly are you you breaking it down? You know, I think it starts with well, for one, I mean, it's going to be a licensed deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you you kind of do your due diligence as a company to analyze the market with similar products to see how those are performing, where the distribution is. Um, but you also work with your potential partner and. and trying to forecast out, you know, something, um, as accurate as possible. I think a lot of it is just based on past experience of, of what we've done because typically we won't go for something that's outside of our category, which is usually die cast and radio control anyway. And because we're player, we're big players in those categories, we have a certain feel for it to begin with. Um, now you're just taking into account the name of the property and, and things like that. At least that's how I see it. Yeah, no, I, it's, you're, you're exactly right. And <clears throat> one of the things also is uh, with this emotional connection to, to properties. I mean, me personally, I'm into anime, right? Uh, uh, not uh, like not very many people here, but I, I again, I won't push anime because I know in the mass market it won't do very well, especially for the properties that I, I'm watching that are, I think are really good and would translate really well. Um, Daryl was speaking about like different markets. Uh, Walmart... And Target have two totally different clientels. Hmm. Walmart, you know, will will we we can put some stuff there that won't work in Target, and vice versa. I can if we have something in Target, it may not work in in uh, in a Walmart. Well, could you talk about some examples? Uh, like Walmart sells trucks really really well. Mm-hmm. So we we put our just trucks line there all day, and 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 it just works. Um, Target. JDM works, hmm. uh, but then you got the hobby market, which is totally different from that. Uh, it doesn't do as much volume as a Walmart and a Target, but it does. It does still do a lot of. of uh, it does you know does really well for us. But what you, we can do is you know throw other things in there into the hobby market to see if it works and see how well it does, and maybe hopefully it can. If that's is successful, then we can move it into the mass market. Uh, you know, after studying how the sales work. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So just we'll pivot, well, which well one way, and then see what works. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And these are all things that we look at. I mean, on on the back end, and and I well more so like our sales team will be looking at and analyzing like day by day, week by week, uh, in terms of how a particular item or brand is doing, um, whether it's at Walmart, Target, or you know on on the hobby market, and we adjust our strategy as we go. Um, but that all kind of goes back into like, if we were looking at something, uh, new and, and we had to kind of make our, you know, educated guess as we were talking about earlier, it's just based on studying that like week over week. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then are there, they're like, remember any times as to where there's something that, that 
comes out and it's just a mega hit. And and so we see that and we're like, screw all the research. We're going for it. Is there ever a time like that? There is. There, yeah. There is currently. I don't want to say what that is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we are working on it. And I mean, I'm sure a formal announcement will come out in the in the next few weeks from us. If you if you follow us on our on our social pages and whatnot, which you should be <laughs> at well Jada Toys on Instagram and Facebook, and um, Metals well, Diecast also on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, but there will always be like surefire things, and just for you know as an example, like everyone knows that anytime there's a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie. Or like a Disney princess movie. Those things are surefire, Mm -hmm. blockbuster all the time. And so then naturally, I would think that every toy company would want to align themselves with these properties. Because they know um, that it's going to do very, very well. The problem with that then becomes the oversaturation in the market. Mm. Right? Right. So it's it's like a little give and take, I, f- I feel. Hmm. So. And when it comes to, to oversaturation in the market, is that a point as to where we feel like which you have to go back back to the drawing board and find out what is your strong point of differentiation? Well, I think we got to describe what oversaturation means a little bit to the people. Right. So people. when I talk about oversaturation, I, I mean, okay, so like – Let's let's use Star Wars for example. Yes. Star Wars and and Disney probably has so many different potential partners that they're they're working with to do every single thing. And and I think when you look at the grand scheme of things, like they could do apparel, they could do consumer goods, they can do like houseware, they can do like everything, anything that you can think of. But specific, more specifically in the toy category, there's going to be a diecast collectible. There's going to be a radio control. There's going to be like action a costume, figures. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. action figures. You're talking about all these different categories within the within the toy category itself. Everyone wants to get into it. And those that are lucky enough to get into it are going to be fighting against everybody else that has pro- so like if you're a consumer and you walk into a, a retail store and you walk into the aisle and you see a crazy I don't even know it's got to be bigger than four feet mm. right this is a section of Star Wars it's just a big one aisle of Star Wars and you look at all the Star Wars product that's what I mean by oversaturation because say even if we did get it what would we realistically do something in Hollywood rides something in our metal figs line okay fine. That thing is gonna live somewhere in that I don't even that big aisle. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's either it's it's between eight and sixteen feet. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Yeah. So like, how do you stand out among or tall feet. everybody else? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't really. It's just um, what people feel like they want to get. Yeah. And you're fighting with about with price points and everything and and price value, which is how. Does your product look like it's worth the price that it's on the sticker? Right. Uh, there's a lot of variables that happen in there to compete in that aisle. Yeah. That's what I mean by oversaturation. Hmm. Just the sheer amount of Star Wars product from various companies. And don't read into it too much, guys, because that he's talking about Star Wars. Oh, that's just an example. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I just I use Star Wars as an example because I that's I mean that's a to Jordan's question that's a surefire thing. Yes. Right. Right. So that's a perfect example. Yeah. 
So, hmm. okay. Could you guys break down what you think is going on in the mind of a customer when they see something of ours that that they really love, and then them go from "Oh, that's cool" to "I have to have it." If we, I mean, we we hella successful if we knew that answer. It, it changes, yeah, yeah. like all the time mm-hmm. as as new generations come in. There's different things that that you know set people off. I think right now um, the collect and the collector standpoint, I think it's nostalgia. It's things that that remind people about their childhood and they want to relive, relive their childhood. So a lot of uh, older like properties and uh, like you know Ghostbusters and you know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all of those properties that people grew up with that are that who are working people now who have families, who have more dispensable, disposable income, um, you know, can buy stuff. And it's like Fast and Furious, for example. Fast and Furious is exactly that. It's, you know, seeing the cars in a, in a collectible form that you grew up with watching the movies. Yes. And I think that right now is, is one of the keys to uh, get going from like, oh, that's cool. That's a cool die-gas car to, oh, man, that's the orange super from Fast and Furious. You know, I got to have it. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, too, is just us recognizing that our core demographic or market is going to be the collector fan base. Um, Although, you know, you you do what you can to kind of also entice like your your mom or your dad, you know, Um, a lot of what we go after are going to be the collector market. And we've had a hold on that market for years now so people are very familiar with jada who we are what we make the quality that we're able to put behind what we do and when we have an expansion into the figural business um you know these these people kind of follow to see what it's what it's like and then then we're able to create a a community and then they i think that's just becomes like a little snowball effect where people then are like, oh, this is something new from Jada. Oh, these are kind of cool. These are actually highly collectible. And then they kind of get into it, like naturally, I feel. Um, at least that's what I see when I take a look at the social stuff and, and like the interaction that goes on. Mm-hmm. That's what I notice. Interesting. I also think it's also a part of it is the quality of the product. Like yeah. Daryl alluded to, like, you can see something on a shelf and like, oh, that looks kind of cool. But once you actually take it home and feel it and see and like really examine it and, and see what it's all about and see the quality that we put into our product, then you can really you you can gain, gain an attachment to it from that. Because like, man, these guys put a lot of work into it. They, you know, you appreciate it a lot more. Mm-hmm. And for the price that we put a lot of these things out at, uh, you know, I, I, I think our price value is is. Is tremendous. I mean, it's you're getting a lot for what we sell our products for. Oh, yeah, real talk. And at the end of the day, as a company, that's that's who we are. Yeah. Uh, offering the best quality product at the best price value. Yep. That's a yeah. That's what we've built Jada on from the very beginning. Yeah. And also, kind of trying to tend to uh, uh, markets that have been been touched. Yes. Like one of the, the first products that we came out with in Diecast was the Dub City line, and at the time, Diecast uh, manufacturers they were just work they were just focusing on hot rods and replica cars, uh, and what we did here at Jado we started focusing on what the kids were driving 
in the inner city, the urban kids. Mm-hmm. What were they doing? No one was was paying attention to them. So we started making toys geared towards that group of people. And it blew up because no one, you know, who who, who would want to, uh, you know, take this these cars, uh, Chevy Astro van, grocery getter dropped on, on, you know, 20 inch rims and put a die cast out of it, you know, cause that's what you see in, in the ghetto, you know, we will. Yeah. And we did it. And, and I think that, that those, you know, that those people appreciated it. I grew up in those areas, yeah. you know, and that's what I saw every day. And I would, I was surprised when I first saw a Jada toy, I'm like, man, that's cool. They're paying attention to, this to us yeah you know that's that's those are those are the real people those are the people who are are out there and you know are willing to spend money for their kids for their families and uh you know and he and we tapped into it and it's pretty interesting too you know i still get get tons of well like tons of like you know the little like dms and messages Mm. of people saying hey we'll bring back back dub city yeah bring back import racer or even chub city or yeah. all that stuff so it's it's interesting to see yeah no i i think now uh with what jada almost being 20 years in um we've built a legacy i think we've built a a fan base that knows the history and and appreciates what we've done in the past and they want to see more of it you know these are the hardcore guys and, and i love it i think it's you know i've been here for 13 of this 20 years and uh, seeing it grow to what it is now, it's it's pretty unbelievable, and I I, I totally can understand why they want to see some of these things come back because maybe they missed the boat mm-hmm. in collecting them. You know, they want they probably want more of it because of the style that we brought forward. It's what makes it all worth it, I think, because at the end of the day, I mean, people also have to understand too. Like we, like Mike said, we're we're going on into our our 20 year, like next year, we're not, we haven't been around to be able to, you know, work our way into that 20 year without continuing to evolve as a company. Um, so the people that have supported us from day one to now is very much appreciated, but I think, you know, to also be able to recognize that we can't be doing things the same way. Um, that we used to because whether you know it, it just it might not work and so we're always trying to find like new innovations new ways to do things but that doesn't necessarily mean that we forget about the people that have been supporting us from day one like mike said we always try to realign ourselves back to like a lot of the grassroots stuff you know where everything kind of started that's why we partner with a lot of the partners that we do because we feel that they're a good representation of of that um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a little give and take, I feel, yes. but, uh, at, at the end of the day, of course we here value everything as far as like what that support has been. And, and we don't want to make it feel like we're kind of, uh, all of a sudden shifting gears and then going into a completely new direction. It's not, yeah. I think it's just by natural evolution of a company to continue to, um, you know, be profitable because at the end of the day, it's a business. Yeah. It's a business, but to the consumer, I would like to think that Jada is more of a culture. Right. You know, um, it's, 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 we built this culture around cool looking car, custom vehicles that every, the everyday guy is building. You know, it's, it's, 
not just the cars, but also the, you know, the, the, the action figures, you know, when we, we started getting, doing action figures, we went after some of the cooler, different, uh, properties that we can get. And, you know, now it blossomed into what it is now with the metals line and metal figs and all that. Mm -hmm. But I think that, uh, the culture that Jada has brought forth is, is the quality and the, the detail that we bring in our products. Um, and that's something that everyone has come to expect from us now. And yeah, we, we do, we still do what we can to try and nail down every single one of those points, because those are very important aspects for us in terms of like what we produce, because we never want to put something out on shelf if we're not comfortable with it. If we wouldn't, if we aren't fans of it ourselves, like we, we just wouldn't feel comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. But there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that I feel people don't really realize or at least recognize. It could be, um, you know, something that we have to work around if, if it was a contract thing or an agreement thing with one of our partners, it could be, um, cost of goods is rising. So we have to sacrifice elsewhere. There are many different things, yep. but at the end of the day, what they only care about is, Oh, Jada didn't cut the hole out in the exhaust pipe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm like, we get it. We, we get it. We hear you and, and, and all that stuff, but again, Loud and clear. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but there's just, just certain just, things that as we want to continue to progress and, and, and you know, so we just have to, we yeah, do what we have to do. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause it's a lot of the people who talk like that don't realize how much like cost of goods is going up or material cost, uh, you know, different things, shipping costs, fuel costs, all that contributes to how much we can sell a product. Yes. We don't typically raise our prices on our diecast. We haven't raised it in a very long time. Yeah. Understand that. Like that's the one thing that when we, and going back to what we were talking about earlier of what Jada was founded on was price value and quality. That's not something that we're willing to sacrifice. So even though costs going up, we still remain at the price point, you know, so we find a way, but of course things here and there might have to get sacrificed, but we still do what we can mm -hmm. um, to make the best, yeah. the best quality product possible. So we're not foregoing like what we are, who we are as a company. We're, um, we're doing the best we can to keep it yeah. at that level that we want to, yeah. that we think is acceptable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, hell, hell, speaking of price of goods and just, and just everything, you know, I had a guy who sent us a message maybe two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> it was funny. I showed it, it to Brian and um, he was like, hey, uh, I'll send you guys 200 bucks if you can make make a custom version of my car. <laughs> I was like, here, let me uh, <laughs> here, let me show you some numbers. Pal. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's, yeah. you know, but but I say that because, you know, it's it's very complex. And and to what Mike and well, Daryl said, you know, we're doing the best that we possibly can to keep it the way that you guys will love it. So, yeah. you know, we appreciate the everlasting support. And um, we'll just work with us. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, there are guys who do custom die cast and they'll do it for 200 bucks. Oh, yeah. But as a toy manufacturer, uh, yeah, that's. On the back end of, <laughs> yeah. of yeah, you know, yeah. as far as like the process goes. You yeah. Know, I mean, you know, you have to make so much. Exactly. As you guys, guys have alluded to before, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to take into consideration uh, that m probably more than what most people think. And that kind of goes full circle back to your question of, you know, like 
some of the misconceptions or maybe just things that people aren't even naturally aware of when you talk about working in the toy industry. Because at the end of the day, they can look at a die-cast car or a figure and be like, that's really cool. Yeah. But that's about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't yeah. realize everything that went on into creating like just the one figure or the one vehicle. Yeah, how I'm much time how much time it, it takes. Yeah. I mean, every logo that is representative of an actual company that's out, out there, we have to get the approval from that company to use that logo. Uh, you know, it's the, the color of the car may not be exactly right. So they, uh, a, a car manufacturer may not approve it. Mm, you know, yeah. we have to go back and forth and, yeah. and you know, the, sometimes they require a certain kind of paint or a texture that makes the car even more, more expensive. Yeah. And that, you know, all contributes to the final cost of the car. But we're, you know, and that, that makes the car more expensive to make. But it, we don't push that towards the consumer price at the end. Right. Exactly. So we take that L in yeah. that way, you know. Yeah. Well, yesterday I'm on Instagram. I posted a picture of um of of the Fast and Furious car um from the first Fast and Furious um the white Jetta. Yeah. And people were complaining about you know the, like you know some of the logos aren't on there, and mm-hmm. I'm like, well, some of those companies are out of business now. Yeah. I mean. Can't yeah. be doing stuff. Yeah, know, yeah. There, there's there's certain rules that we have to follow. Yeah. You know, yeah. so we want to make it perfect, but we have to work within our boundaries as well. Yep, so exactly. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'm glad you guys had talked had talked about the quality of things because because you know from an unbiased standpoint, even though I work here, I know I'm okay. So <laughs> I am biased, but but with but for a reason. Well, nobody is able to. Well, nobody is able. To execute these cars as great as we do, hands down. However, a fantasy question, you know, if cost, well, wasn't a factor, what are some of the fantasy executions that that you would want to put in some of our well diecast cars? You know, for example, well, real leather in mm-hmm. the seats, or maybe yeah. a well carbon fiber on the spoilers, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's it, like carbon fiber parts, mm-hmm. cloth seats. Seat belts, mm. uh, you know, uh, the the w- steering steering to have the wheels actually turn foil foil yeah. um, in the uh, for the for the firewalls mm. uh, wiring wire looms. Uh, there's a lot of stuff you can do, like in the engine especially. Yeah, uh, you know, like you know the spark plug wires rather than just having them molded into the plastic, actually have separate wires for each one. Uh, you know, there's a lot you can do. If you okay, so like say for example, if we had had an opportunity to do that today with just well, like with one car, car in our entire library, well, which one would you like to do it on? For me, I would probably say uh, I would I would probably do. Oh, it's gonna got to be a muscle car, probably with a blower. First thought would probably be the seventy Charger. I was gonna say. I don't know what that car would be for me, but my parameters would it have to be a classic car. Yeah. Uh I'm okay with either a JDM or a muscle car. Um again, I, I don't know that I could tell you one car, but it would for sure be like a, a real old school classic. Yeah. Yeah. Or a Porsche. Yeah, you know, I've been on the Porsche wagon for some time. Yeah. Now, so yeah. yeah, like a classic Porsche, like maybe a roof or uh yeah, something like that. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. 
I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, hmm, yeah, interesting. <laughs> uh, well, um, well, you know what? I don't know a better place to end a podcast than than there. Oh, oh, speaking. Of, well, just and so one last thing. And so last week we actually um, had an had an Easter egg hunt challenge, and uh, it was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, could you guys? Tell tell everybody what what the uh, Easter egg was. So wait, do now. I saw it posted a couple times. Yeah, I know. Uh, shout out to Garrick. Garrick, yes, yeah, Garrick, He's, and to um, I have the, the the other guy's name here. Uh, shout out to Garrick, and then shout out to to Tommy. Mm-hmm. So those were yeah. were were the two winners, the only two guys guys to make the uh, well, like to get it right, which was pretty yeah, which was pretty fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but and so which car was it? It was the the one sixty four Evo. One sixty four Evo. Okay, right from JDM Tuners. From JDM, JDM Tuners. Tuners. Yeah, um, we did. Uh, there's a a designer or the director of the 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 figure side, June. We spe- he spells his name J U H N, and we did a parody of the June Motorsports from Japan uh, logo. Sweet, yeah. So yeah, and so for everyone asking, that is what it was. And um, so I sent sent those two guys. I sent those two guys out some um, well, some pretty cool stuff. And um, and so we plan plan to do some more of those of those Easter egg challenges on each podcast and so the only way way to, way to find out who wins is is for you to listen to the entire podcast to find out where where that easter egg is and um yeah so let's we'll try to keep that going so um that is the end of episode 10 just just a little bit of housekeeping if you enjoyed this this podcast be sure to like and subscribe you can find us streaming on on spotify um, but you can find us streaming on on the apple podcast and um, subscribe to to our YouTube page as well. You know, so we have have some cool stuff coming out. We will be at SEMA at the end of this month. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Jordan. I'm Daryl. I'm Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Brian. <laughs> and uh, so we will see you guys next week. Peace out. Later.